Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I'm a writer because I don't write enough. Uh, you know, and I write the smallest books that you can find probably on the market. My name is Lee Han Kim Thuy, and I am now, I've been a writer for about 15 years or so. And then before that, oh, and worked as a lawyer. Uh, and after that, I opened a restaurant. So I own a restaurant for five years before starting to write. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all of and, and I've done a lot of TV. Uh, so I have uh, now like a TV show. It's called La Table de Kim. So basically Kim's Table. I'm invited as a speaker very often, maybe about 125 to 150 per year. Uh, so I don't know what is my profession. <laughs> Yes, yes, I see. So what was your journey to Canada? Uh, I left when I was 10 um, from Saigon, uh, but the boat uh, left from Ratia, uh, my uh, father's home, uh, hometown. Uh, and, you know, it's the coast and uh, and it just happened that the, the, the boat we um, we had access to left from that that city. Um, and then we arrived in Malaysia and I stayed in Malaysia for, well, my family and I, uh, we were lucky that we all, you know, we, we made it all of us, uh, together. Uh, we arrived at, uh, in, uh, in two different cities. The first one is Sheraton. I think it's the, the beach where we landed. And then after that in a camp called Kwantan, I think. And then we got accepted to Canada and uh, the government sent us to Quebec, uh, to the province of Quebec. 
because we were francophone and my parents could already speak French. So it was a natural match, I think, for us to go to Quebec. And I've been living here um, in Montreal for the last, uh, what, for we arrived here in 79. So uh, 44 years, is it? Yeah, 44. Oh, my God, I'm old. <laughs> so you've had a few careers, restaurant, you were a lawyer, uh, you are a translator. You were sent to Vietnam in the early days to kind of help figure out uh, how capitalism could work in Vietnam. Is that right? Uh, um, mm, uh, okay, I'll, I'll try to say it in a way that I can still go back to Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> but back then in the um, mid-90s, Canada started, you know, building a relationship with Vietnam. And it was the first um, project between Vietnam and Canada. And uh, back then it was called SIDA, where we had, you know, um, funds to 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 help uh, other countries. And uh, Vietnam had, um, well, accepted a, uh, our project, which was called Policy Implementation Assistance Project. But basically we were just working with the 10 advisors um, who responded directly to the Vietnamese prime minister on different reform policies. I know I sound so boring, right? What I'm saying right now, but I, I when you go back, yeah, I don't think it's boring because it offers insight into the kind of the change that I am always questioning about Vietnam and the West. Because you know we think of it traditionally as a communist country, but hearing about your legacy and your work in the early days, you know, it it really fascinates me. So that that's why I asked. Um, yeah, and you know, we it's always surprising, right? Because these projects need to be very confidential, right? Um, back then, so we couldn't talk about it. We couldn't uh, make any advertising about you know the presence of Canada in Vietnam through this project, because just for the image of it, you know, how a communist country would accept advice from the West. So they had to be careful for their image. And we totally understand that. You, you know how it is, politics, yes. right? And um, and so if you want things to be efficient and impactful, it has to be not controversial or scandalous, right? And so uh, we uh, we arrived there with the, the 10 advisors and we worked on any issues in the sense that uh, the prime minister could have any question about anything. And very simple, you know, back then Vietnam wanted to open up and become a member of the WTO. And how do you become a, a member of the, of the WTO? You need someone from uh, the inside. And Canada has always uh, been a very good negotiator uh, because we're quiet and discreet, you know, so we could be this mediator not negotiator but mediator between different members and countries uh applying countries and vietnam was aspiring to become a member of the wto so uh many of the canadian experts here uh would spend time with vietnam just to imagine you know a strategy how where do we where do we begin um, for example, and back then in 94, 95, the civil code had not been adopted yet. Um, there was, so 
they were drafting it. And before 1975, the civil code was very similar to the one in France, right, because of colonization. And in 75, of course, you know, Vietnam could no longer have a civil code which was too similar to the French code. So that was abolished. Uh, and it, so Vietnam didn't have a civil code for 20 years or so. And they were drafting it again. And then what kind, you know, which, how would I say it? Uh, what, what would be the color of this civil code? Um, you know, which influence uh, Vietnam would be ready to accept? And the advantage of Quebec is that we have the French um, tradition, but also the English mm. tradition, the common law and the civil law. So we have this mixture, you know, of two uh, main or the two most used or looked at uh, traditions. And this is why Vietnam was very interested in hearing how um, Quebec works out this um, dichotomy or the the how we can blend the two traditions together. So that was one, for example. And at that point in Vietnam, there were no private uh, companies. You know, they were only state-owned enterprises. So Vietnam wanted to open up, how do you transform uh, a, a, a centralized uh, economy into a market economy? How do you all of a sudden privatize these state owned enterprises when the word itself privatizing is contrary to the 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 theory uh, of communism how do you present this to the party right for it to be accepted it was very difficult so um the, the experts from the canadian side and the vietnamese worked very hard to find a model that would fit for Vietnam, you know, customize basically a model. And they called it, uh, uh, in French, was socialisation, socializing, uh, a social... Yeah, meaning yeah. that we will sell, you know, the, these um, state-owned enterprises which would sell social parts to society and not selling shares. You see, so... It, then it would work with the the model of of Vietnam, and so it was very very interesting. And of course, we were not there for the application of uh, of, of of the ideas of the policies, but the Canadian experts on um, the you know of the team where I was part of was there just to think of the concept and all the the challenges that you would meet when you suggest. You know, you make one recommendation or another, you know, how we call uh, one policy to the next. For example, Vietnam had insurance, but not the way that we do. And so they were looking into Singapore, for example, uh, the system in Singapore and everywhere. And of course, Singapore could not be um, uh, applicable for Vietnam because of the size of the population for example yep. you know so we had to go find a model that would fit for vietnam and how to modify it so that it might work yeah you know so i um i came here let's be clear i came here to talk about your book but i can spend the whole hour 
talking about this because the significance of this happening in 94, 95 from your team to go and speak to the lower, um, just the people right above below the prime minister is fascinating because in the, in the West, especially in the diaspora community, we commonly think of the communist government just being one way and, and, and trying to be one way. But as I'm discovering people like you, I'm learning that the changes and the wanting and the ability to change was happening much, much earlier than we are perceiving it in real time today. And the openness of all of this is um, important to know because then the rest of the Vietnamese diaspora in the world can kind of take a glimpse inside of things move slowly and change slowly, but there is this sort of attention and intention to to change policy and you know when you uh like <laughs> when you ride a motorcycle it's easy to turn around but when you're riding a train Cannot. if you if you want to make a u-turn you fall right and we we've seen it in uh many eastern countries uh you know after the fall of the soviet era um you cannot make a quick turn uh, and even today, you know, uh, you can have revolutions. And I'm not, I'm not pleading for uh, the right way or the wrong way of doing doing things. But Vietnam chose the slower way, and it's not all bad or it's not all good. Right. right? Everything. Um, I said there are so many nuances that we have to. And I'll give you one example. You know, we think that the way we do in the West, and I say we because we're living in Canada yes. now, and I think we are living in one of the best countries in the world. So, of course, it's easy for us to think that, oh, we have the best system. We have the best way to do. Uh, and we would arrive in a different country and say, hey, you know, you should import this, uh, this structure. And I give you <laughs> this example, and it says so much about, about the importance of listening and not and moving in the rhythm and the speed of the place where we're at. Um, so at one point we had a um, a, a whole seminar with uh, women uh, politicians, a member of parliaments, uh, because you know uh, for Canada it's always important to have um, uh, uh, one part of the project where we focus really on um, helping women and the environment back then in 1995 wow. already. It's not only now. In 1995, in any project, there's always a budget. And uh, uh, how would I say? It, it's mandatory. We need to talk about women and the environment. And so this project worked also on the, the environment and uh, and the women and so we organized a whole seminar with uh, with the MPs, member of parliaments in Vietnam, and we we had Canadian MPs coming to share their experience. Um, and they so they started talking how uh, they prepare for their political platform, how they dress themselves, how they travel, how difficult it is for women. Sometimes you know we have different needs and so on and so forth. And I. I listened to the interpretation, which was perfect because it's not always perfect, right? And you can you and and I'm there to kind of detect when it's it's not going 
perfectly and then I raised, you know, a little flag saying, oh, maybe this word got misunderstood and so on and so forth. But this time the interpretation was perfect, but somehow I felt like the audience, the Vietnamese group, was not absorbing anything. You know, the chemistry, it didn't, yeah, the wires didn't yeah. touch, right? It didn't connect. So I said, okay, there, there, there is a, so at the uh, at the first coffee break, I asked the Vietnamese women, I said, oh, you know, like, do you find this interesting or what is not interesting to you in this speech, you know, in this presentation? And they said, oh, it's nice to hear, but it cannot apply to us because in the Western world, like the, the, the Canadian MP said, uh, you have to make promises, you have to say what you're capable of. I, you know, vote for me and I'll make this change. And I have this experience and that. In Vietnam, you cannot do that because then you would look like someone who's pretentious, right? And so the system works in a way that you need to have someone else to talk about you in front of you. Say, you should vote for Kenneth because I've worked with him and he had made this project, you know, flourish and it, it became so big and so important, you know, so on and so forth. Right, right. And so it's culture. You see, so, and, and, and yes, the idea it might be the same, and we're 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 looking at the same objective here is to be elected, but the way of getting there yeah. is completely different. The methodology, the mechanics, the mechanics, and and this is why it's so important, you know, for any country to come in, you know, to when when we sit down at a table to listen. Um, instead of taking for granted that what what we have is the best, uh, is the and it is the best for the environment where we're in, and not for the other right. one. Yeah. Uh, so there were so many interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, during this whole process of of living and and working professionally and doing these kind of things, when did you start to have ideas of becoming a writer oh i never had the idea of <laughs> <laughs> because i you know in order to write you need to master a language that's your first tool right you need you need words yeah and when, when you don't have words you cannot identify all the emotions all the sensations all the feelings that you feel so how can you be precise enough in order to write? You know, then you're, to me, when we don't have words, we are kind of handicapped of our own emotions. And, uh, you know, just frustration and irritation, it's not the same. You can say you're not in a good mood, but that doesn't... You know that doesn't give you not forget the person who listened to is listening to you. If you're frustrated, sad, are you melancholy? Uh, you know, uh, are you feeling melancholy or nostalgia? Yeah, it's not the same. So you need to have the word to help you understand what you're feeling, right? To me, uh, and when you go to the doctor, you know they would ask you, "Oh, how is your pain?" And it's just like painful, right? 
And it's like, is it sharp? Is it constant? Is it sudden? Is it, you know, all. Right. All the descriptor yeah. words. Yeah. 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 And then you, you, all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, there's so many different kinds of pains, right? That you had felt, but you didn't know. You're just like, I'm in pain <laughs> because we don't have the words. So um, but, I but thought how, I didn't how would you words. not have the words when you speak? I know, just I know that you speak English, French, and Vietnamese fluently. How, what do you mean you don't have the words? No, I don't speak English fluently. You can hear all the mistakes that oh I, I make. No, you have so much vocabulary. and But I can imagine that when you're thinking in French or thinking in Vietnamese, thinking in English, you have more words to convey. You have more than enough words to convey. So why would you? But not- I didn't know. I didn't know that. You know, like just now. You know, I'm thinking. Yeah, oh, is it mistakes or errors? Two different things. You know, and a word exists for a reason because it yeah. does have that nuance. And 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 so I thought that I didn't have enough. You know, it is when is enough. Yeah. Uh, but at one point, someone and I had the luck. To have someone said to me, uh, and I had the restaurant and washing a lot of dishes, and this woman who came um, very often to the restaurant with different writers, and I, you know, and then I, I learned that she was the director of the uh, uh, Metro- uh, Metropolis Blue, uh, a, a festival here, literary uh, festival in Montreal, and I knew of uh, about the festival. I said, "Oh my God!" You know, I. I uh, so I asked her all kind of questions, and at one point she said, "Do you know any Vietnamese authors?" Uh, because she wanted to invite one, and it was in the in two thousand. So at the very, you know, at the beginning of two thousand. So um, the Vietnamese authors in Vietnam were not were not translated, you know, and outside of Vietnam there were still very few, if not not none, almost right. right that I knew of. So I said to her, I said, I only know one, but he's dead, you know? <laughs> and and we talked and she was a regular customer, right? And at one point she said, why don't you write? And I said, I don't I don't have a tool, you know, I don't I I I don't have enough uh, vocabulary or something like that. And she said, um and I said I, I make so many mistakes, you know, when I, I write. And she said, the difficulty is not the language. Most authors would tell you the difficulty is to have a story to tell. And and in her mind, I had many stories to tell. So she said, just tell your story. There are people who are specialized in accompanying you, editing you, correcting, you know, a a review or how do you say that? Revise. Yeah, edit. Editors. They are specialized. They're specialists. They're experts. They will, they will help you with that. Don't worry. Just tell us your story. And she kind of gave me the freedom to say, "Who cares of the mistakes?" And well, to be fair, I make very little mistakes. You know, the. Uh, 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 spelling mistakes i i don't and even um the verbs and all that I, i'm very good at the grammar but i still make a lot of mistakes for uh predisposition right in on yeah i never know yes uh and 
and and uh, the 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 verbs, you know, for the time. Uh, how do you say that? Tenses. I I get all mixed up, and French is very complicated for the tenses. Uh, so. So even today, when I write, uh, I write in my Google Drive, so that my uh, my friend, she's a friend actually, she she's my corrector. I would say she would go into the text whenever she wants, and then she would just, you know, ask me questions. Where are you on your timeline? Because I'm still in present time. I'm always, you know, going the Vietnamese way. That I'm here. That's it. I I don't have any tense, uh, or I try, but I make a lot of uh, confusion because of the the way I use the tenses. So yeah, she would ask me, where are you? Is this before or after that event? Or is this, you know, this event happened, uh, how long after, or was it sudden? Uh, was it, you know, uh, something uh, on a span of time? Or, you know, she would ask me th these questions and she would help me make, uh sense of what i was right uh, what I'm, uh, I'm i'm writing and so i'm very spoiled to have someone like that to accept to come into my text and read yeah. bad french i think <laughs> no where, where did the inspiration for rue come from um i think i had written that book probably 500 times before you know, like a beginning uh, from different points of views. And, you know, and then you hit a wall at one point for one reason or the other. Uh, maybe I wrote the story for in school, you know, when you have to write something. Uh, then I would write one little anecdote, you know, of these stories uh, without knowing. But it was more for, for school. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so it was an easy story to tell because I knew that story by heart almost. Um, and because I had only one month off to write and I didn't know I was writing. I just, you know, had one month of penalty at home uh, because the... Uh, the father of my my children, he like uh, then he said to me, he said, okay, because he's Canadian, right? Uh, French Canadian, and I don't know. He he wanted to become a lawyer. He he became a lawyer. He wanted to, to you know, it's a very straight line. Whereas I kept changing, and he said, okay, you're forty now. Maybe you know, dream of your dream career and take a month off. And oh my God, for Vietnamese to so take a month off. <laughs> What do you mean? Uh, that was the end of the world for me. But he forced me. It was a penalty period, basically. He said, you sit, you know, stay home, take a month. Um, and maybe I was very tired also. So he just wanted me to yeah. go flatline for a while. Um, and it happened during that month in the sense that I didn't, I didn't know what a, what what was a dream career and so i just started you know putting the notes that i, I had and those notes were had been taken in in the car uh, at red lights you know to um because i fall asleep very easily at red lights 
So that was one way for me to stay awake at red lights, you know, that you, your hamster continues to run. And so I had these notes in a small notebook. And um, yeah, so I I just put the notes in, in the computer waiting for the end of the month. And, and that was the easiest thing to write about. You don't need any research. I, I had all the facts I needed to have. Yep. You know, the book is very short. I think it's 145 pages, right? Uh, and then now it's made into a movie that's traveled far. Uh, and it's, you know, I think it's at Toronto, right? The Toronto Film Festival, which is a very prestigious film festival that um, that uh, that the movies got selected to. So it is mind-blowing to me that your journey started on a one-month period that your partner he told you just take the month off and just do what you need to do and from that point which is 14 years ago to today it's so inspiring for somebody even like me um i am blown away by the lack of planning the lack of intention the lack of foresight to know where you're going in life do you need to know where you want to go i think a lot of people Today, uh, put these vision boards and they, you know what a vision board is? Yeah. They put up, you know, cars, the house, and they put all these things up and they go for it and they, and they try. But I often think and hear stories now where uh, a lot of luck is involved because it sounds like to me with that lady didn't, who didn't come by from the from the book festival if she wasn't part of your life uh none of this journey probably would not have happened and if you didn't have a restaurant it didn't happen right and and life uh the thing i think yes this luck right to have met this woman and the notebook was, had been given to me by a friend uh with a note you know on the first page that, uh, which said um it's time that you write for yourself or something like that and uh, the the beauty of this is that yes, there's luck, absolutely. You know why our boat made made it and not the next boat. You know, and why we got accepted to Quebec and not the next family, and why why Quebec instead of Texas, and I would have a completely different life. You know, it just happened that way. And and my my mom used to say that. Um, luck is everywhere right but we need to have the tools to be ready when luck comes to you and 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 take on that luck right because luck could be just right in front of you and you don't see it and and you miss it and uh, i'll give you one example where and and luck doesn't come to you you know in flashing uh, flashing like i'm your luck i'm your luck take me you know it's it doesn't I, I don't think it works that way very often it comes disguised you know in a in a costume or something you don't you you think even that it's um it's an unlucky moment but if you still take it you still live and you still go into it then you discover that it, it was just you know, a step that you had to make in order to get to the, to 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 the real fortune behind How it. How do you know? How do you know when that thing is disguised and you? 
how do you know that that's the path that you should choose? Uh, you don't know. So just give, you know, give credit to your instinct. I, I especially at 54, uh, because you live long, well, to me, we've lived long, long enough, you know, to, by instinct, you just know that you have to go left and not right. And if it was a wrong one, find something in the left that, 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 that was positive, that helped you find the right turn you know it's never the wrong turn in the sense that there's you know the restaurant was a wrong turn i didn't know how to cook it was very painful you know and difficult and it was physically so demanding but at the same time if i didn't pay attention to my customers and complain every day for example how hard it was instead of just enjoying all these different people yeah. who come to, to the restaurant and eavesdropping you know that conversation and see what they need or foresee uh what they need uh then i would not have met this woman yes she was there but if i did not pay attention to oh she needed a pen because she was taking note or to see on the table there there were a pile of books and ask her questions what do you do how come you have so many, you know you always come with so many books for example then i would never discover that she's a director of a festival and then we wouldn't have had a conversation so i think it's being there and it's very cliche to say mm -hmm. to be present right but it is Life is, and when we have a destination, I think we always try to run as fast as possible to reach that destination. And we we miss out on all the things that which are talking to us, right? On the side, and we just don't listen because we are one, you know, we have one track to follow. Uh, but when we give ourselves the rights to look left and right, no matter where we're going, um, and to follow, you know, that little star taking you. Uh, then, you know, that little flower that diverted your path. Yeah, but maybe that flower is a sign to mm. say, go that way. You know, or a helping hand. Um, I, and it happens so, so often that you think that you're helping someone and then at the end, it was that person who, wow. and at the very beginning, you know, like this this director, I I wanted to make her experience at the restaurant um, pleasant and easy, and uh, and to and and I remember I brought her that pen just because she was looking, and I I didn't want her to whatever stand up and go look for a pen or, and disrupt her conversation. So right away, you know, like here's. And I, I just put it next to her hand and laughed because I didn't want her to stop uh, her conversation. And so you think that you, I, I thought that I was helping her, but actually, no, it was me opening a door for myself, right? It's, it's incredible. So I think that's, it's luck, but you need to, you know, bite into it and, and not, and yes, it's, it's scary. You know, it was so scary when when my boss, my a very senior lawyer, called me up and it was a an office, it was Stegman Elliott. I don't know if you know it. They have uh, it was the first international um law firm. 
law firm. And in Montreal, we were more than 100 lawyers. So if you add everybody together, we were like 500 people. So it was just a huge thing. And to have a very extremely senior a lawyer calling you, you know that you're done, right? You think that you're dead because you've done something wrong. And it was Marc Lalonde. I don't know if you know him, but under Trudeau's father, Um, he was chief of cabinet, who was the minister of justice, minister of finance, uh, natural resource, you know, like this big man. So after politics, he went back to law. So he was not just senior, he was like the senior of the seniors. Right. And for him to call me, I I thought I was being fired for some very serious mistakes. You know, like, because he wouldn't, why this man would call me? I was a young girl, a stupid young girl, you know. And, um, and he just said, oh, do you want to come along with us? We have a project in Vietnam and it's called Policy Implementation Assistance Project. And I had no idea what that meant. I still don't know today okay, <laughs> what it means. And uh, what is that? And uh, and I said, yes, right away, because he was such an experienced man. And I said, if I, I uh, how would I say, it? if I breathed the same air than him, for sure, I'll become more intelligent, right? In my mind, it was like, oh, I said to him, I said, oh, I can make coffee for you and I can I can carry your bags, you know, like and and then finally I couldn't even make coffee because I didn't drink coffee and my coffee was so bad. Uh and I couldn't carry my bags or his bags uh either because he's he, he was uh, he just passed away and he was six feet two, probably. So he was the one who carried my bags, you know, and uh and I said, but you have to say yes to life. And I remember I said to him, I said, oh, Mr. Alon, there's a problem, though. I have already quit. And uh, and I, I, I was about to leave, you know, in a month or two. And because I don't think law was for me. And uh, and he said, oh, that's technic- uh, technicality or something like that. Yeah. Do you want this project or not? Do you want to come with me or not? And I said, yeah, of course. And uh, he said, okay, then come along, you know, forget whatever. <laughs> See, and so it's about saying yes uh, to life uh, all the time. And yeah, sometimes it's just a wrong turn, but yeah. it's never wrong. wrong right. If I had not made that wrong turn with the restaurant, I would not have met all these people, uh, the, uh, the, um, the pro- producer of the movie is, was one of the customers. At the restaurant. At the restaurant. And you know what happened? He was someone who was very quiet. Always sat in a in the quietest corner. Um and reading. Always reading. So the team and I, we uh I don't know, we decided that he was uh a, a librarian because he was very polite and he spoke uh, you know, a beautiful French. I don't know, we just give you know, it's stories to our clients. And uh, and and I thought that he didn't have any friends because he was there alone a lot reading. So I said to my team, I said, whenever he gets to dessert and coffee, just tell me if I can get out of the kitchen, I'll come and sit with him so that I can give him a friend. Wow. 
and uh, you know, two minutes uh, taking care of your customers, right? So um, I went out when I I could, and those two minutes add up, right? And we did become kind of friends. And for maybe a year, I didn't know what he was doing. And at one point, he came in with an actor. Uh, that I knew, and he asked for me to come say hello, and I said, "Oh, so you advise, you know, you books, <laughs> you recommend books to actors?" And he just looked at me and said, "I don't understand your question." I said, "But you're not a librarian." <laughs> he said, "No." <laughs> I'm a producer, and. What does a producer do? I I had no idea what that meant. And he was a very famous, actually, very important uh, TV and movie producer here in Quebec. And uh, and so he explained to me what he did. And there was no interest for me, you know. That was a world apart. Yeah. It was a, another planet. And, um, yeah, so we just chit-chatted. And uh, when I had closed the restaurant you know i i said oh my god i thought you were lonely you know and he said oh he thought that i needed to vent you know like <laughs> about my problems at the restaurant so he endured me for all those years because he thought that i needed a friend to talk to so <laughs> so he was the one who bought the rights who took the the notes the first 20 pages that i had uh, I, I he he read it and he said he was ready to take it to a publisher, and uh, who was a friend, whatever. And I said, no, 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 I don't even think that I can write up to twenty five pages. You know, it was just penalty period. And uh, and he said no. I, he thought that I should continue. And uh, and I said no, 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 no. But then you get addicted. Right uh, to yeah. writing and to sitting on a chair and uh, and just dream of uh, and and tell dreams, you know. Um, um, and uh, and so I gave myself not a year, just one month at a time, you know, a week at a time, almost. Say, oh yeah, I have. Uh, I'll go to an interview next week, you know, or next month, or you just postpone things and then. At the end, I thought that that was it. I was going back to the office, to an office. And um, um, André, the producer, he, he took the, the the piles of notes that I had, printed out by another customer of the restaurant, Karine Vanas, who gave me the little notebook and who's, I think you know her, um, she's in Plan B and in the series. What's Chateau. her name? Kareen, uh, Kareen Vanas. I'll, I'll spell it for you so you can see it. And uh, yeah, so she was the one who came to the house with a printer because I didn't have a printer. And, uh, and so she she printed out and uh, she had a copy. He had a copy and that was it. Kareen. Uh, so, yeah, a fr the way I got to know the book was many years ago, a friend of mine, uh, Chantal Tui told me about oh, yeah, yeah. the book and she said she fell in love with the material and uh so that's how when you know when it finally got to toronto and i saw it all over the internet i was like oh my god this is the book that chantal was talking about mm -hmm. and uh it was cameron bailey who took it for canada reads 
And then he won Canada Reads with that book. And I remember he called me up when when he chose that, but he didn't know me at all. It, it was, you know, we, we didn't know each other. He just called and he said, you know, I'm going to champion your book. And uh, and I said, it's the wrong book. You'll never win Canada Reads. Um, it's too small. It's too, It's not in the tradition, you know, the English uh, tradition to, to yeah. read small books. Mm-hmm. you know you like big books and um and yeah for many reasons i said no you, you, you know you should change it's not the right book and she said it's not for you to choose you know i was just informing you <laughs> but i'm i'm doing rue and uh yeah and that gave a big boost uh for rue in um in english canada um but rue in french you know in europe it was crazy so that first year the book got published uh so i didn't even send the manuscript to anybody it was andre the producer he took it and sent it to the publishers gave it to the a publisher that i didn't even know existed and it's the biggest producer here in quebec i had no idea and then from yeah the luck and from the restaurant and having these people come to the restaurant is and i i don't even have time to get into why you got into food from being a lawyer but that's a different uh podcast a different ball game but you know and then he uh yeah and then that first year uh france bought it uh, and then another 10 country and then another 10 and another 10. And we're now at 45 countries. How could that be? Yeah. How could that be? And you're speaking like at 120 days out of the year now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy. It is so crazy. How crazy. Wow. Yeah. And to think that you don't have a plan. I, you know, I come here and I sometimes ask, you know, what do you have plans for the future? But that's not a question that somebody like you think about. I don't know. You know, the worst question you can ask me is what will you do next or next year or in five years? I have no idea. I literally haven't. And I don't have enough time to dream. You know, when I have an idea, uh, it's not a dream. Let's turn it into a project or it doesn't work. Then, you know, let's push it aside and, and go with the next idea because there are, you know, thousands of ideas. Uh, life comes to me as a, like a tsunami, you know, since we arrived here in, in Canada. So uh, let me ask you, the, the, the way that you've already seen the finished film, right? So in your mind, how different is the finished film to the actual writer, the person that write the film? I think there, uh, because we don't have a budget to do the whole book, right? So you have probably only 10 pages of the book in the film. Uh, but the beauty of it is that when you look at the, the movie, you don't feel like you've missed anything. How, you know, it's, it's all crazy. Uh, to to for me to say it this way, but it 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 stands, you know, it feels whole, complete, complete. Um, it tells 
exactly the message. I thought that I'm I was a minimalist that that you know I boiled down to you know everything to the smallest whatever. But uh, actually, the movie that and you know like we say, an image can tell. Uh, a thousand words, yes. you know, like just one image, you need 1000 words to understand. Um, but in a, yeah, so that was the, it, it's a beauty of, of, of a movie. And uh, I gave the total freedom to the director and the scriptwriter to imagine their movie. I wanted their movie and not mine. Right, right. I've already seen my movie. I need to, you know, uh, uh, and I don't have that this kind of ownership. Yeah, that it has to be exactly like what I think. And I've always told, you know, I I always told them, yeah, if you can surprise me, I would be so happy, you know. And um and uh, but the only part that to me was important was the details, uh, the credibility of um of everything of the gestures of the uh the codes of the names of you know the, those details to make the movie real and true uh and uh you know a vietnamese girl would never stand with her hands in the back like this because mm-hmm. the the oh yeah does not allow you to do right. this so i remember in the mood book uh, mood board yep. um at the very beginning, you know, the the director had a Vietnamese friend who was born here, grown up here. So basically, she's a Canadian, right? Yeah. So she wore a Vietnamese dress, but she has this thing, you know, like this 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 posture. And right away, I said, "This cannot be anywhere in the movie. This is wrong." And uh, for example, at one point, I said, "Oh, um, in the script, I said the the mother." would clean, you know, lice from the daughter's hair and the daughter uh, was mad at it or, or was um, manifesting um, discomfort to the mother, like resisting or something. I said, there's no Vietnamese daughter resisting. No. That doesn't exist, okay? Yeah. And you have to think, we just got out of a refugee camp. There's no resisting. And so, yeah, I would go into those little details, you know, for me, that that is important. For example, the the the, the plate of fruits, you know, at the uh, ancestors' uh, altar table. Um, yeah, the altar. Uh, they um, they put, you know, the fruits that they they found at the market. Uh, so there were some Vietnamese fruit, but they also had put a. Uh, a lemon because it was yellow and it was bright. It was, you know, for the image, it was beautiful. And I said, first, we didn't have it. We don't have lemons in Vietnam. We don't use lemons. Number two, lime and lemons oh, or lime is a very cheap fruit in Vietnam. Here it's expensive, but not in Vietnam. Right. So you would never give that to your ancestor, right? Off. And and so, oh my God! <laughs> no, I don't talk that way. I just said no. It, it wouldn't work, right? We have to take that away. So for those little details, yeah, but not the storyline, not the way 
um, the story had to be told or, or put into image. Um, that I gave freedom, total freedom. Tweet, I um, I look forward to seeing this one day. Uh, movies are one of my favorite uh, mediums and art to consume, and I can't wait to to watch the the film. And I want to thank you today for coming on and and uh, talking about your story. And I hope that we can, you know, maybe if this gets released in the U.S., that we can come back and and talk about uh, the film itself and. Uh, uh, have a discussion about this uh, if a distributor here in the U.S. picks it up. But thank you so much today for for your time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but even more so. And and it was uh, I was very happy to hear you say that you you would be interested in knowing more about you know um, the the intention and the efforts that we rarely see in politics um of, of what happened in Vietnam back then and uh, now I I am not aware enough uh, to talk about uh politics in Vietnam now but in the 90s uh how Vietnam tried very hard yeah uh, I, I would love to hear about that and food I think the next podcast we'll do in a, in a few months we'll do it uh about we'll do part two we'll do that uh politics and and food those two things and we'll talk a little bit about the 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 book and the movie again but yeah this- as you know food is politics right yes. food yes. is politics like why we all yeah eat uh la vache qui the, the 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 french cheese all over the yes. world yes well thank you Tui. uh we'll be talking very soon thank you thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth Wynn. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park